This is a Hot Pie Media Original. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. Help. Better help. Now, is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, everybody who listens to Stop Self-Sabotage has something that they want for themselves that they are not getting because they feel that they're frustrated or they wouldn't be listening. They want more. And personally, when I first became a therapist, I went into therapy because I was so hurt in an emotional relationship. And I wanted to repair that. And BetterHelp is a place that you can do just that for yourself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists as needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. One of them is Anthony wrote, Karen is great. She's attentive, gives great advice, and really makes you think about your issues so you can resolve them in a fashion where you are comfortable. Visit betterhelp.com slash SSS. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are now recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. We have a special offer for you. For Stop Self-Sabotage listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash SSS. As a therapist myself, I can't recommend them more sincerely. Go online, talk to them. They will be very attentive to your needs and they will get you the help you want. Hello, John. Glad to have you on. This is Dr. John Hart, and uh, you're talking to us about a very important issue, and that is how to love again. Wow. <laughs> Let's take a small <laughs> issue, right? All right. Tell right. me tell me yes. a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll get into it. Yes, and also thank you for having me on, because there's so much information that I would like people to have. And this is one way for me to send that information out there. And it's things that I've learned throughout my life and my career. Sure. So who am I? That is the question. <laughs> Big question. <laughs> to be yes. or not to be. Right. It's a very good question. And that'll get into something we'll talk about later on, which has to do with the ego and has to do with the self that's non-ego. But who am I? John Hart. And... Um, I have been in um, professional life for uh, quite a long time, <laughs> quite a long time. <laughs> yes. And uh, 
you know, 40, 45 years. And my background is primarily psychology and theology. Yes. The integration of, of those two. Now, that also includes uh, body work and the body because the psychology, the, the therapy that I did for many, many years and taught to many therapists is a body-oriented psychoanalytic psychotherapy. So it includes the body. Now, interestingly, that means mind, body, spirit. Yes. So that's that's in in a thumbnail. My my background is a lot more, of course. Of course. And you are still seeing clients. You are still doing work and writing books. And we'll talk about that at the end a little bit more about how people can reach you. But let's start out with a really simple question. What is love? <laughs> that we oh, that's, a, that's a that's a very simple question <laughs> very simple question and you know it's defined in a number of ways i'm going to say just right up front love is relaxed excitation now that's nice that has to get defined in some way i expect but when we say oh i love that flower oh i love the snowfall oh i love you oh i love my child there's a feeling in the body of relaxation, but also excitation. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so if we go to fear, it's no longer relaxed. It's still excitation, but it's contracted or, or um, uh, uh, squeezed, if you will. Yes. Not, not relaxed excitation. Now, love is used in so many ways. Oh. As I said, you know, I love the snow. I love this. I love that. There are some languages that have different words for love. Mm -hmm. Greek, for example, you have you have you have eros, you have philios, you have a, a lot of different kinds of love. Right. I can say more, and I will, <laughs> unless you want to ask another question at the moment, because there's some, something else to say about love. Well, I, you know, we chatted a little bit before you came on, and, and we chatted about where were we going to start on this. And, you know, I think uh, I read um, an interesting quote the other day. It said, every story is a love story. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I think that's probably true. Love lost, love found, love love found again, you know, love longing. I mean, or just, I mean, relaxed. Um, and, and did you say anticipation or relaxed? relaxed excitation. excitation. Excitation, that was it. Right. Relaxed, which is such a dichotomy. I, that's why I couldn't remember it. Relaxed excitation. It's fascinating. So, you know, the... What is love is a is a fascinating concept. And um, how do we know that we love? Let's just keep it in relationships now. How do we know that we love someone? And I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to step aside a moment with another with another aspect. Okay. And this this is the the theological aspect. Um, God is love. Yes. Yes. Simple. If you look at all the mystics of all the different religions in the world, it comes down to the same thing. God is love. And if we're created in the image of God, then we are, in fact, love. So love is not just something we do. It's something that we are when we can reclaim, relearn love. Nice. So yeah. to bring that personal, and I think that's where it always has to be, it is how how do we love another? L love is circular. It's loving and receiving. 
loving and receiving. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have said theologically is uh, when I don't feel my love received, I'm experiencing divine angst. I'm experiencing the pain of God who loves and loves is basically outpouring love constantly. And we don't love back. And love back for me, when you talk about loving God, is loving another person. I look into your face and I see God. Mm-hmm. You look into my face and you see God. In the simplest way, babies are what we call bundles from heaven. Sure. And we look into the baby and we smile because we see God in the baby's face. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And, and, and then hopefully when the baby sees our eyes, the baby is seeing loving eyes and sees God love in our face. Yes, yes. And that's the blending, of course, of the relationship and the theological, as you said. Uh, as you said. Now, we're focusing on this uh, podcast on how to love again. And we've been hurt in love. You know, by age 18, we're hurt in love usually. So what do you have to say about being hurt? And love. Yes. And you're, it's interesting because you're saying age 18. And as you might guess from knowing some things about me, I would say age two. <laughs> we were hurt in love at age two. By the time we reach age two. Tell me more and, about that. And certainly age 18. The love that we experience at age 18 has to do with romantic love. Yes. And, uh, you know, our girlfriend broke up with us. Our boyfriend broke up with us as a teenager. It's the end of my life. It's the end of the world. Uh, (laughs) And we do recover and we move on. But we carry that scar, that wound, if you will. Now, the reason why I say age two is because we are interacting with others by age two. Now, when we're younger, we're not quite, there's not quite self and other, but by age two, there's self and other. Any mother who's experienced her child pulling her hair and saying, ow, understands that there is self and other. (laughs) And the baby gets it too. Like, oh, I had an effect. (laughs) And then, of course, little children love the power of that of affecting other people. So they become, they start teasing and all of this. What happens is because I want to say in our society, but I want to say even bigger than that. In the the condition of man is to know not how to love. To actually, know not how to love. Not how to love. So we don't respond to our young children with love. We often respond with reprimand. We respond with um, not really hearing them. We respond with wanting them to be an extension of of ourselves, of our ego, and become what perhaps we didn't become. And it reminds me of, of the, uh, uh, the Broadway play movie, Carousel, when he starts singing, my boy, Bill, and he'll be a football player, and he'll be this, and he'll be that. <laughs> and then he stops, he goes, uh-oh, what if it's a girl? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you yeah. know, can I love a girl? I don't know. Yeah. And he starts reflecting on that. And so when we see our children, we often project onto them what we want them to be. Yes, yes. But we miss the essence of who they are. Well, but obviously there are some loving parents. You have been one uh, that I know of. 
Um, so, I mean, there is love that comes from parent to child, clearly. Yes. Yes. And so in, in, unless it's a very abusive and, and hateful situation, there are elements of love for sure that are there. Yes. So we it isn't like we don't know love at all. Right. Yeah. But it's that learning how to love and to be loved. Right. And um, that is I don't want to get too technical, but that is what we call the narcissistic wound, where we have to recognize that we are not the center of the universe as we were as an infant. So with self and other, as we individuate, we have to recognize, wait a minute, I'm not the only one here. You know, mom, dad, they love others. They, right. they love each other, et cetera. Now that's natural. Right. And, and we can deal with that, but it's one of the, it's one of the wounds around loving that we experience and nothing much can be done about it because it's a part of development. Right. Right. And most of us develop through that. But what is the prime primary um, injury to love? What do you think? You know, I want to I want to use my daughter, Heather, as an example. And she said something before her son was born that really impressed me. She said, I want to find out who he is. I can't wait to find out who he is. Yes. I, I never had a parent express that. I didn't. I didn't experience that personally that I could have expressed it. Yeah. Sure. I wanted to know, but do how many of our parents want to just discover the purity of who we are? Every one of us is different. Sure. And, and it's, it's that that is the, the, the deepest, most profound wound is they don't know who I am. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody sees me. Yes. Uh, in, in my work in psychotherapy at the body level, uh, and people work with anger and they work deep into some of the early childhood uh, memories, if you will, and wounds. One of the things that is a constant theme, you don't see me. You don't see me. You don't see me. You don't know who and I am. Yeah. You, you don't know who I am. And so we go through life feeling um, alienated, isolated. You don't know who I am. Yeah. Nobody knows who I am. In fact, we may reach a point where even I don't know who I am. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Was, there's confusion around that sometimes. Right. So the primary injury to love is very early on. That's what you're saying. And it's about not being seen, not being heard from the the people who are raising us. And then that how does that influence us then later in life? Well, what happens is we are desperate to be loved, but don't feel at a deep, essential level loved. So we fall in love, start with our teenage years, and we're very excited because we feel that we feel loved by that person. And all of us have experienced that starts changing. And after a while, we don't feel loved by that person. We may feel criticized. We may feel uh, lots of things that actually come from our childhood, because what happens is we start to put the face of our parents onto that person we love. And so we start experiencing um, what our parents did to us. And then we say, she, he doesn't see me. He, she doesn't really love me. Uh, all of these things start happening. And that starts really 
disturbing the intimacy of the relationship. Right. Yeah. And then and then so what happens is the green is always grass. The, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what I'll do. I I just saw that beautiful woman. I think I'll start a relationship with her because I think maybe she will love me. Right. Or right. or he will love me. Yeah. So there's the idea that if I just change partners, I'll I'll cure this wound. I'll yes. Finally be loved, be seen, and then many times we find it's. Same story, second verse. Same song, yep. second verse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, this is sort of dismal. So let, let, how, <laughs> how, how do we reclaim love then? How do we relearn how to love? Let's go there. Okay. Um, easier to ask the question than it is to answer the question. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. <laughs> years and years and years of inner internal uh, searching and work. Um, And, and I'm saying that a bit tongue in cheek, but it's not tongue in cheek. It takes a lot of work because what we need to do is find out these unconscious messages that are inside driving us. Right. And the message of I'm not lovable. Well, I mean, I go back to theology we are absolutely lovable. There's no question because we are in fact love, right. but we don't know that because we are identified with, I'm shifting a bit here, but identified with the ego, which is a construct. It's an idea we hold about ourselves, which also includes, I'm not lovable. I can't be loved. I can't be seen. All of those messages go with the ego. So and, what I would call negative beliefs from right. your from your past, from the mm-hmm. first you know four or five years of growing up, some of these imprints, and and I you know I'm talking to different people on these podcasts, but we all come back to these belief systems. We may call them different things, um, the ego, you know, uh, imprints, negative beliefs, but these are the things that we've decided, not even rationally, mostly, just mm-hmm. kind of subconsciously that are now controlling our relationships. Right. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. And part of the self-discovery is discovering these things that are in the unconscious. Right. And then, and recognizing their patterns that came from childhood and they're not, and and they're, they're a construct. That identity is a construct. It's not who we really are. Right. So then we have to step back from those patterns and say, you know what, this is not who I really am. This is how, they treated me. This is how I perceive things. Sometimes we perceive that we're not loved who we are, but it isn't being expressed. Exactly. Yeah. All, all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and we can't change our history, but we can see that this is really a learning process. And so it's not who we really are. Let's let's stop there. We can't change our history. And many people come into therapy with you, you know, with me when I was practicing all the time, I still am a little bit, uh, but to change their history, because they think if I redo that, then I will feel X, better, loved, whatever. But changing the history never happens. But what can you change? You can change your perception. You can change from the recognition that 
I didn't cause this history and the history is not who I really am. Right. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to step into something a moment that's very difficult for people to grasp, but is ultimately very, very important because you're saying, how do we change this? Yes. Early in my work, I worked with something which was called Vipassana meditation, which is awareness meditation. Yeah. And, and it has to do with what's called ego observation. And so you start watching these ego messages. Then you start realizing, wait a minute, I'm watching, I'm experiencing that ego message, but I'm also observing that I'm experiencing. And now, because even when we're talking, I observe that I'm talking to you. You observe that you're talking to me. So who is the observer? Is it, is it you? Is it me? Or is it, what is it? And so there was a lot of work around chasing the observer. You know, I observe that I observe that I observe. Now, I'm <laughs> going to come back to making that simple. Because once we realize that, that the problem is not the ego, but we identified with the ego. We identified with that history. We identified with our perceptions about the past. And we realize we're observing it and we're not that. Now we step back from it and say, wait a minute. I do see that that's a construct. As Freud said, the ego is a construct. I do see it's a construct. And wait a minute, that's not who I am. It's like I'm watching a movie about me in the past, but I'm watching the movie. I'm not that. Right, so, right. So then, so then who am I? And right. that gets us closer to, but you know what? I am love. I am pure. Um, I, I want to say one more thing, if that's okay at the moment. Sure. Of course. I went yesterday to the large congregational church in downtown L.A. Beautiful, beautiful structure. My background is congregational. And yes. that's where yes. my ordination as a clergyman is yes. congregational. Yes. The congregationalists were the pilgrims who founded this country. Yes. And yeah. um, they they're very different than most of the. Uh, Christian denominations in that early on, they called themselves the followers of the way of Jesus. They simply wanted to become like Jesus and being like Jesus is living love. That's the background. Yes. The, the woman, one of the ministers of the church who did the sermon talked about original sin and the idea that there, there is not original sin. There's only the original blessing. If you go back into what we call the, the, the creation myths, God created and stepped back and said, and it is good. Right. So it is good. Yeah, it's good. I remember um, a, a client I had. It was so funny because I worked with him for quite some time. He was fairly stubborn, but he continued to work. He came in one day very angry with me. And I said, what are you angry about? He said, I, he said, there is nothing wrong with me. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> hallelujah, you got it. <laughs> you got breakthrough, it. breakthrough, yes, <laughs> he, yes. He said, I, sp I spent all this money. I come week after week and there's nothing wrong with me. And I said, oh, <laughs> wow, this is great. There's nothing wrong with you. And that's ultimately what we come to when we can observe the ego and say, oh, that's my ego operating. Yeah, that's um, not me. That's yeah. not me. It's Separate. my ego. It's, it, it's what I constructed. Yes. And sometimes, you know, we constructed that our our parents hated us. Yeah. Um, now, if 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 you if you grow up, let's say children who are born right now during COVID, and how frightened people are about the the disease, etc. Or 
as in my case, um, World War II. And people were terrified. Sure. Well, I could perceive in my mother and father's fear that it had something to do with me because children before age two, everything has to do with them. Right. And I could perceive that they're afraid of me or they don't love me. They're not able to express love because they're living in fear, et cetera. All of which is simply an artifact of, of where they lived at the time. So we start looking at that and say, wait a minute, you know, that's not me. Right. It's just right. not me. So well, observe, observe, observing is very, very important. Sure it is. And, you know, there was a wonderful book a long time ago by Gerald Jampofsky that basically talked about he simplified life. He said there's only two emotions, love or fear. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in love, you are by by definition in fear. Mm-hmm. Um and let's come back to how to love again. All right. Let's 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 narrow the focus a little bit into a relationship. Okay. I've broken up with somebody. I'm heartbroken. And I don't think I'll ever find anybody else. I've either broken up or someone has died or or someone who's uh, has left me for somebody else who who I believe they think is better. And so now I am, of course, worse than. And I mean, these are these are people out there who are truly struggling and you're going to see some of these people in your work, of course. And, uh, because that pain is going to bring them to you. So let's talk about how can you help them reclaim love? And I would say, yes. And I would say, I, it, you know, I can't say hundred percent of the people, but a, a large number of people, we all experience this. Everyone listening to this podcast can say, I can identify with that. Yes once once we can deal with the, the injury is actually an ego injury it's not who we are um it's our ego gets damaged our ego gets dented our e- ego gets wounded that wound for who we are essentially there is no wound because if i am love then i can continue to love even though i make a vow i will never love again i Okay, but you know what? I'm committed to loving. That's it. I won't let that stop me. I will continue to love. Yes. yes. And I will continue and I will continue. The other is, and, and you've seen this, I've seen it. I would say most therapists have seen that. The person says, if only I had loved them enough, then they wouldn't have left me. Yes. I would say, no, the issue is if only they could receive the love that you have for them, that might make a big difference. Yes. yes. And I will say in interpersonal relationships, I don't believe that love is enough. Exactly. You know, know, there was a time when I thought any two people can get married, they can work it out. No, there needs to be a matching. There needs to be. Yes. um, And and sometimes what happens is people outgrow each other. Yeah. And and so. uh, Seasons of people's lives. Yeah. And so if we make it a product of love, that's a real problem. It's recognizing, wait a minute, it's not, a, it's not about I didn't love them enough, they didn't love me enough. It's, that's not the issue. You well, know, the issue is, is we, didn't, we no longer work well together. Exactly. That's usually the and, issue. And uh, I had a friend um, say something to me um, when I, I got divorced, and, and it was so helpful. He said, you're complete. You're complete. So, so, and in that it had no blame, it had no judgment, it had no, 
he's a bad guy, I'm I'm great, or I'm bad and he's great, or whatever. There was just you're complete. And sometimes there is a completion. Mm-hmm. Um and I think acknowledging that gets you out of this self-hatred, this self-blame, this um this incredible pain of love that many times is um it, well almost always is self-initiated, you know, and Mm -hmm. then sabotages the next love. You know, we're talking Mm -hmm. about self-sabotage here. And Mm -hmm. um, I also have a little sign on my refrigerator, seat of all wisdom, you know, right before I go for the cookies. Um, It says uh, love in spite of it all. And I love that love Mm -hmm. in spite of it all, you know, Mm -hmm. claim love. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as you claim love, And as you won't give it up, even if it's not working with this particular person, then how do you relearn to love again or reconnect to love again? And that's where what I'm saying is once we can de, trying to find the right word, de-identify with the ego and identify with that observer self we begin to discover that we are, in fact, love. Love never ends. 1 Corinthians 13 ends with love never ends. That's true. And, yeah. and, 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 and love never ends. It only ends if I stop it in myself. Right, right, exactly. Now, I, I can't make somebody love me. And a lot of people, that's a big mistake in their relationships. Well, if I just do it right, I can make them love me. I can leave. No, we can't make them love us. We are lovable. That's it. End of story. Yeah. I mean, you ever see an infant that wasn't lovable? Well, sometimes they're a bit of a problem, but, you know. (laughs) They're screaming, throwing paddles. The the hearts melt. Puppy dogs, kittens, baby lions, baby elephants. I mean, you see it all the time. Oh, what a cute baby. What a cute oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so uh, love never ends. And when we start recognizing that only I can kill love in me. Oh, I love that. Let's say that again. Only I can kill love in me. Hence, not a word I use all the time, but um, I, I can love again. If I don't kill the love in myself, then all not all, but what I have to do then is believe in that and come out again in that energy of love and I will attract love, you know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I would say it in a slightly different way. Yes. It's not that I can love again. It's that I never stop loving. Nice. Nice. So, so the, and that's, that's the important thing when we feel the injury, when we feel the wound, when we're, when we're, we're in such grief at the loss of the relationship is to, is to be with yourself and say, I won't let this loss stop my loving. I, I will continue to love through it. Mm. Forgiveness is paramount. Yes. And to say, if it's that other person, you know what? And, and people struggle because they try to forgive. And I want to say, don't try to forgive. Forgiveness happens when you embrace love. Yes. So if you feel the love, you automatically say, you know, I forgive her, him, because they don't really know what they're doing. You know, I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the times. I'm blind. I may say things and do things. And 
I like to have the forgiveness from another that says, you know, I forgive you because I know you didn't know what you were doing. Sure. I know that. Sure. My love knows that. You yes. didn't intend that. Right. Now, you know, I would say if the person intends to hurt, well. Different story. Yeah. Different, but you can still forgive them because if they're intending to hurt, they really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. You know, and they're, that's not, they're in a that's lot of not, pain. Yeah. And yeah, they're in a lot of pain and that's not loving. No, of course not. So if I continue to love, I can still love them. Yes. Even yes. though I've experienced the injury. Well, and, and don't we? I mean, we do, I think. I mean, I think love doesn't die. I think if you've loved someone, that that love continues. It may not be in an active form. You may not be with them. You may not see them. They may have passed on. But my mother died 30 years ago, and I still love her. I feel mm-hmm. love for mm-hmm. her and towards her. Um, so... And I have this other quote I love. It said, forgiveness is the gift you give yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true because Mm -hmm. to live in anger, and as we know, people can be mad at someone for 25 years. I mean, 30 years, the rest of their lives, you know, but that is a pain that we inflict on ourselves. And that is not loving. Yeah, It's like a cancer that just keeps growing and growing inside a spiritual cancer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it and you're right. It it doesn't hurt the other person. It no, hurts us. It hurts us. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. stop hurting yourself. Forgive them. Let them go. Because the other mm-hmm. thing is that when you live in that kind of anger or blame, you are basically uh, the one who's taking the poison. You're drinking the hemlock, not them, mm-hmm. not them. Mm-hmm. So coming back to romantic love or loving again, we need to de-identify ourselves with the ego. We need to claim that we have always been love, that it isn't like we've forgotten love or lost love. We are still love. And in that position to re-enter, say, a dating market or match.com or whatever is the right energy, would you say, to come back and uh, love again? Yes, I would. And there's something I would like to also say here. I believe in unconditional loving, and that's what we're talking about, unconditional loving. I do not believe in unconditional living together. When you start, <laughs> and when you right. start interfacing your life with another person, it right. becomes very complicated that's and right. very difficult. That's right. So it, just because the living together doesn't work doesn't right. mean that the loving has to stop. Exactly. I, I agree totally. I agree totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's well said. Uh, and it's a great separation because then you can mm-hmm. keep the love and you can say, hey, it just it didn't work because we couldn't meld our lives or we could only meld it to this point. And then mm-hmm. we needed to separate for both of our mm-hmm. sanity or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. OK, so we are talking about love. Anything, um, I mean, there's so much more to say, but we have about uh, four or five more minutes here. So what would you like to say, John, that uh, would help people reclaim their love, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, inside themselves? Yes. And you you um, you mentioned briefly Jim Powski and his his book, um, Love is Letting Go of Fear. And and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Scott Peck. And Scott Peck is a psychiatrist, did a, does, did a lot of work with, with uh, couples, et cetera. And I like one of the things he said. 
the marriage, the purpose of marriage is having children and friction. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, the friction is, is uh, mm. how to say it, it's, it's, it's sort of a way of polishing the soul, so to speak. Yes, indeed. And, um, and, and if, if the friction is too great um, and we're not able to process it and work with it, then uh, that's a real problem. Yeah. Um, when there is no friction, and I, had a, I worked with a married couple, and they wanted to get divorced because there was nothing wrong. <laughs> I said, why? We don't, we don't really love each other like we used to. You know, we're just, it's, it's boring. Yeah. And, yeah. and in other words, the friction was over. Yes. So if yes. the friction is far too much, and then it's not, a, it's not good. Right. And if there is, if there is no friction at all, now, not just a love relationship or a married relationship, every human relationship has friction. Right. Right. And a part of the part of the purpose of friction is for us to take a look at ourselves and see what are we about? What is my ego doing? What is happening here? Uh, wh- what is my participation in the friction? And it and, and it's so easy to point the finger and say she did this. He did that. Whatever much better that you look at yourself and say, what am I doing that right. contributes to this? Right. You, you know, know you, I had on a wonderful woman um, right around 9-11. Her name is Lisa Luckert. And um, she, her husband was killed uh, in Cantor Fitzgerald in the Twin Towers. And she mm. wrote a book on kindness and basically being overwhelmed by kindness um, from people about that. But she made a, f- a phrase in there that I think you'll like and I loved. What if we started to look at 9-11 as not happening to us, but happening for us? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I mean, what if we, I mean, we're talking here and you're talking very eloquently about subtle turns of how we look at things, right? And The vision is all important in this because how we see it is how we make it our reality. So what if things didn't happen to us, but happened for us and happened for reasons that we could grow from and and uh, recommit to loving through? Um, And I just um, I just was touched by that. And I and I agree with that. And um, I would try to say it in a slightly different way or define it maybe a little bit differently because one can say it happens for us because there's some divine plan that creates this and puts it in our lap, etc. Now, you take the towers. How did that happen for everybody? And what I would say is everything that happens, it doesn't matter what it is, everything that happens happens for us. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because we can learn from every single thing that happens. Yeah. And, and this is for a whole nother time. But when we say to us, it puts us in the victim position. Exactly. Well, that was her point. And she mm-hmm. said that, that, that once she turned it around then and then applied it to everything else in her life, then and, and she had a breakthrough and she truly understood things in a different way. She mm-hmm. got out of the victim position and became an actor or a proactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's sum this up today. I'm sure all my listeners are going, wow, he's cool. He's great. How do I get hold of him? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how to reach you, um, John, and, and how if they're interested in some therapy or some consulting or whatever, how do we get to you? Certainly. And uh, I used to travel a lot and do and, and do presentations and traveling consulting. I, I don't do that a lot anymore. I'm not likely to show up in somebody's city next week doing a presentation. Sure, sure. Um, I do have a small group I'm still working with and I travel for that small group. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and believe it or not, I've worked with them for almost 25 years. I it's do. amazing. I love and that. I have I have therapists in that group, professionals in that group. Um, I like to do consulting either through phone or, or zoom or either video video is, is I think better than audio, but I do a lot of audio. And the nice thing is I have this beautiful sailboat I'm living on Mm -hmm. and I can do it just like I'm doing now. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, there's a telephone number, um, 310-205-2555. And, um, uh, and I, uh, that may show up somewhere. I'm not sure, but 310-205-2555. And also my email address is John Hart at WT.net. WT stands for world trade. So um, both of those are fairly easy to remember and I can be reached. I have a website that isn't fully developed and it is John Life. Okay. And heart is spelled H-A-R-T. A-R-T. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, John Hart. Uh, somewhere, I don't know where. It's okay. I can't find it right now. Um, heart is a deer. It's a male deer. Yeah. And um, that is the logo that, that I use. And by the way, John Hart was signed the Declaration of Independence he was my sixth great grandfather. Oh, isn't that great? And the, the deer, the heart, showed up in an incredibly powerful dream that my grandfather was taking me on tour of a factory, et cetera. And that's where all this I said, put put it put it together. Wait a minute, this makes sense. Yes. Um, nice. So so um, John Hart at WT.net is is an uh, easy way to reach Good. me by email. Good. Well, yeah. I want to thank you so much for being on. You're so articulate. And thank you for sharing with us today. And we'll have you back on. It's just good fun. Great. Yeah. I would love it. All yeah. right. Thank you so and much. You, and have a really good day. And remember, love never ends. There you go. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.